Welcome to Steered's Podcast, boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda, and I am here closing out the first, uh, maybe annual, I don't know, Oops All Urban Legends Month here on Spirits with all-stars. We're incredibly excited about this. We explain what we mean and why uh, in the episode. But first, I wanted to thank the three folks this week who joined our Patreon, Josh, Stephanie, and Sammy. Thank you very much for spending your hard-won human dollars on supporting a podcast you really like. We really like you back. Thanks, too, to our supporting producer-level patrons, Alicia, Allison, Deborah, Hannah, Jane, Jen, Jessica, Kinzer, Jessica Stewart, Keegan, Nieselkins, Liz, Megan Linger, Megan Moon, Phil Fresh, Polly, Sarah, Skyla, and Sammy Todd. Really appreciate that the uh, the double Jessicas and uh, and double Megans are gracing us with their presence right now. And to our legend-level patrons, Audra, Drew, Francis, Jack Marie, Key, Lada, Mark, Morgan, Necrofancy, Renegade, and BM Yep, Scotty. We so appreciate that you make it a priority uh, to support our show. We know that there's lots of things that you could be spending money on. And taking your few dollars a month or many dollars a month to help make this show possible is something that um, just just flabbergasts us. And we are so grateful. If you would like to have your name read on the show as we welcome you to our Patreon, you can join for as little as just a couple bucks an episode at patreon.com slash spirits podcast. Don't always uh, plug the Patreon. Just thank those who join. We have all kinds of great rewards. Julia makes beautiful recipe cards with custom drinks for every dang episode, one alcoholic, one non-alcoholic, whatever your uh, your style is. There are things like uh, director's commentary where we put links and jokes and our thoughts back on the episode all into a nice list that you can read chronologically as you listen to the episode. It's like listening along with us as you listen to us, all the way up to actual physical gifts that I send to you each month. We have some extremely good ones coming this month. Um, I think you guys are really going to like them. So all of that at patreon.com slash spirits podcast. And something else I think all conspirators are really going to like. It's a floral installation um, of the gates of hell. And that is my recommendation for this week is the show Full Bloom, um, which is on HBO Max. So wrangle that login out of uh, whoever you can get it from. And it is a florist competition show. Now, flowers make me sneeze. So it's not a thing that I have uh, like cut flowers in my apartment a lot. It's not particularly like a hobby of mine, but it is absolutely amazing to see these artisans at work and to hear their personal stories. Um, um, I think that they do a pretty good job of letting us get to know the contestants, which you can't always on a, a competition show like that. And one of the competitions uh, is to do like a decoration with flowers, like a huge scale one of a bell tower turning it into the gates of hell. And I was just like, there is nothing more spirits than this right now. It's creepy. It's cool. It's amazing. So that show is full bloom on HBO Max. And finally, if you are unable to commit to a, a monthly pledge on Patreon, which I totally get, but you do want to support the show financially some way, you can also buy merch from us. That's a really good way to get something physical and to support us um, with your dollars. So if you want to get digital merch, even, you know, like a super cheap uh, phone background, those are really cute. We have a flask. We have pins. We have the uh, the water spirit pins. There are a handful of those left in our store. So if you want to get uh, those beautiful ladies on your lapel, it is time now to do it all the way up to those um, adorable pins in uh, in partnership with Shaker and Spoon and posters. If you want a creepy forest, if you want a creepy desert on your wall, if you want a spirits coloring book that you can print out and color in as you are on conference calls pretending to pay attention, or even the cool cryptid compendium, which Julia helped Eric Silver with as we put together our Spirits X Join the Party collaboration of turning cryptids into 
playable or NPC characters that you can put into your tabletop role-playing game. Because cryptids aren't just for like monster hunting. They're interesting friends that you might want to make out with or or bring along to your journey or, you know, just have as a fully fledged character that is not just a monster. All of that at spiritspodcast.com slash merch. Well, it has been such a joy this month getting to do even more Urban Legends than usual. We're so happy that you liked it and uh, that you just have been along on the journey. It's, you know, five years into a podcast. Uh, It's always really exciting when we can try something new and even more exciting when you are there, you know, cheering us along and ready to try new stuff with us. So without further ado, please enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 216, Your Urban Legends All-Stars. Guys, the moment has happened. Uh, Finally, you spending several months or years of your life watching many, many seasons of a middling reality show has paid off because finally they've done an all-star season and your knowledge has come to bear where with a encyclopedic knowledge of far too many contestants over time, you're finally like, thank God. I know their pitfalls. I know their narratives. I don't need that helpful um, previous season recap editors. I know what the hell's going on. And that's what we're going to bring you today. We, um, there are, for whatever reason, either it's been so long that we've forgotten how good these stories are, or they were so iconic that we need to revisit exactly what made them, you know, spirits, classics. Or like me, I was too busy laughing at one line in, count it, the third sentence of the email that I fully forgot everything else about it. But regardless, it is time for All Stars. I have a quick question, Amanda. Yeah. I know you've been watching a lot of Survivor because yeah. I think all of your intros for this month have involved Survivor in some this way. This entire experiment was inspired by Survivor, yeah. Are you also trying to just get on Survivor? Do you think like Jeff Probst <laughs> is like listening to spirits? He's like, this this woman knows her stuff. Um, It's more like I want to create a world in which my own devotion to Survivor is validated and mm. or useful. Gotcha. Don't get me wrong, Eric. I couldn't even be a PA on Survivor sleeping in a bed or a hotel. <laughs> that shit, it, there are so many things there that would kill me. There's so many things that I'd be allergic to. You don't want to do it. You don't want to be no, on Survivor no. in any fashion. No, no, no. That's not surprising, but I was like, well, maybe. Maybe she does want to be on Survivor really bad. And it's just like a surprising twist. Unless it's Survivor spreadsheets. And then, motherfucker, mm, I'm there. Right. I'm season number one winner. I was going to say, I think Amanda would be good at the Amazing Race. Thank you, thank you. I feel like that would be where you oh, would shine on you, a reality show. Amanda would be great at the Amazing Race. Amanda knows how to get through an airport <laughs> in, a, in a way that I would deem dangerous. Yes. <laughs> Whoa, what time what Amanda, One time Amanda called an Uber while we were deboarding the plane <laughs> in an airport neither of us had ever been in. I did. I was like, this is literally <laughs> stressing me out. <laughs> Well, we communicated and I didn't do that particular thing again. But listen, I, I backpacked a lot. I, I know how to uh, how to get upgrades. I know how to parse street signs to the best of my ability. I'm pretty okay with directions. And I think that in any challenges involving like craft or puzzle solving, I'd be pretty okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who wants who wants uh, to start? Who who has the the first all star we're gonna go with? It's so hard to say. Where, Should where do we, we pick begin? the one that is the earliest by email date? Yeah, let, let's do that. My earliest is May seventh, twenty eighteen. I have April twenty seventeen. Okay. April what, Julie? Because I have April twenty first, twenty seventeen. April fourteenth. All right. Looks All like right. you we'll win. We'll do Julia, Amanda, and then me. All right, right, let's do it. I'm going to take us back to a time, folks, a time where there were hillbilly grandfathers 
scaring the grandchildren. Yes. That's right. We're heading back to Bloody Bones, a.k.a. Bloody How Bones. My Hillbilly Grandfather Entertained Himself by Terrifying Small Children. Oh, iconic. I can't wait. And there was a follow-up, I think. Yes, there was. I have it. So this was sent in originally by Ashton. And Ashton wrote, My grandparents live in a tiny town outside of Ashland, Kentucky, literally in the middle of the woods. At night, all we could hear were the crickets and the running water of the crick, more commonly known as a creek, that cut through their backyard. When we were about eight years old, my grandfather told my cousin and I the story of Bloody Bones. I'll put links to the legitimate folklore down below, but this is the story my grandfather told us. And then it tells me to read in the most Appalachian country accent I can manage, which I will not try. I'm pretty sure I read. We should all guess who read it the first time. I think you read it the first time. I'm pretty sure I read this. Yes, I feel like that was, you felt comfortable doing the the country You are Appalachia adjacent. We are not. Mm -hmm. In the trees lives Bloody Bones. He wanders from hill to hill looking for small children that stay out past sundown. He likes to stay close to the water, rivers, lakes, ponds, puddles, and cricks. You don't hear him coming. You won't see him running because he stays in the trees or in the water until he jumps and lands on top of you to eat the flesh off your bones alive. Mm -mm. So good. But don't go looking for him neither. During the day, he likes to keep hidden. If he sees you, he'll sit and wait. Keep your eyes off the tree line because if he's spotted, he attacks. But at night, nothing can keep you from the clutches of bloody bones. If he sees you, you're done for. Only a few have been able to escape him. I saw him once. He looks like a man, but he's not. He's about eight foot tall and three foot wide. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot that part. I forgot the width. Oh, yeah. That was a great detail. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's bright red because he's got no skin. His body is... (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. We don't talk about the the video very much while we're doing these. But Amanda was just about to take a sip of tea. (laughs) Just as that line happened, I was like, oh my God, the riskiest maneuver. I know enough. I know enough by now. So his body is made up of the children he eats. The more kids he eats, the larger he gets. He's got a big mouth with long teeth that are sharp as razor blades. His fingers are long and he's got claws for fingernails. You better be careful. I saw something rustling in the trees earlier. Bloody Bones is nearby. I think word for word, this is maybe the best Urban Legends email we've ever gotten because it is so well constructed. Like this, this entire email in looking like it's it's two paragraphs long, you know, and it just it gets you there. Like the perspective, the storytelling, the pacing of it, the fact that it's like openly a morality tale. But at the end of it, I'm like, yeah, I should never go out past sundown. That makes complete sense. It's just so good. It's also just like so purely like folkloric. Like yes. it's just he every word is about the story. Every word is a detail that is important that you need to know. There's not a single bit of fluff in this story. It's all bones. Yeah. <laughs> Where did he come from? What's his motivation? Doesn't matter. You know, it's it's true fairy tale. I like that he's just a Dark Souls boss. <laughs> and I think it would be really great if we just had like a Dark Souls in Appalachia. Like Dark Souls things, the whole thing is like they are like the Japanese perspective on a Western medieval world. So I would love the Japanese perspective on a even further Western world, Appalachia. <laughs> And just like really set a Dark Souls game in just like West Virginia, Southern Ohio kind of woodland 
horror cabins and stuff like that. Bloody bones. You got Bigfoot-esque monsters. Taily stuff po. like that. Taily Poe. Taily Poe, of course. Of course, Taily Poe. I mean, now, Silent saying. Hill takes place in the Pacific Northwest, but I always pictured it in Appalachia. I don't know why. Yeah. Silent Hill is more just like straight up horror, whereas yeah. there's a lot more like creature horror in, in, in the Dark Souls games. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Ashton continues, not only was this story terrifying because there is a large naked skinless man on the loose that is going to eat us, but my great grandmother lived in a trailer behind my grandparents' house. In order to get there, we had to cross the creek via a small bridge my grandfather right, made. Yes. Also, the mm -hmm. little dirt patch we would use was lined with trees. Oh, that's right. We would always run home before the sun went down to avoid bloody bones. However, one night when we were about eight years old, we lost track of time and had to walk back to my grandparents' house in the dark. My cousin and I held each other close and ran, keeping our eyes on the ground with nothing but our flashlights for light. We were about 150 feet away from my grandparents' house when something dropped out of the trees, yelling. Mm -hmm. We both dropped to the ground, screaming and crying. As we awaited our imminent deaths by being eaten by bloody bones, we heard laughter and a light shined on us. It was my grandfather who earlier had climbed a tree, waited for us, and then jumped down to scare us for his own amusement. Iconic. That's all I have to say. This wasn't the only time he had done this to us. He thought it was the funniest thing ever. So Ashton, fantastic story. But we also got a follow-up email like a few months later after we yes, read the yes, first yes. story. So Ashton wrote us back and said, I wrote in with the bloody bone story about my grandfather scarring me and my cousin for life by jumping out of a tree. I was finally able to have my grandfather listen to the podcast episode while I was at a wedding in Kentucky. Oh, my God. He thought it was so cool. I, I love that you sat your grandpa down and had him listen to our podcast. That's still the coolest thing ever. And I love that it was at a wedding in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. I had forgotten that part of it. Um. And that's just fantastic. Uh, however, when I asked him if he remembered instilling fear and anxiety into his two granddaughters, he said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't remember doing that. Granted, this was about 12 to 15 years ago, and he is 75 years old. So I described to him the events of the rest of that weekend, and his eyes lit up, and he said, oh, well, I did drink half a bottle of medicine, what he calls Jack Daniels, that <laughs> night. Your mama was driving me nuts. He then uh... proceeded to pour himself a Jack and Coke and told my cousin and I, you should be glad I just told you about bloody bones rawhead is who you really have to look out for rawhead apparently there's an even more terrifying tale my grandfather told me about rawhead was the pet of an old magic woman who lived in the hills of kentucky he was an old hog that had rooted around in her kitchen so much that the magical properties of the things she dropped started to take effect on him he was called rawhead because he was so ugly and looked like a dead pig's carcass that was fresh from slaughter Great. Very descriptive. Hate it. He was known to walk upright and even talk. One day he wandered off and was caught by a hunter. Rawhead was then slaughtered by the hunter and the woman decided to cast a spell that reanimated the dismembered corpse of Rawhead. She then sent this Frankenstein's monster type of a creature after the hunter that killed him. Rawhead found and murdered the hunter and to reward him, the old woman used parts of the hunter's prized game and gave him claws and sharp teeth and a raccoon tail. Once a month during the full moon, of course, Rawhead can be seen rising through the woods on the back of a horse wearing the hunter's clothes, looking for his next victim. I forgot all the details of like Rawhead like gets a horse and gets reanimated and stuff like that. I love that. 
yeah, this was a, a very classic setup. I feel like the movie would have cut, you know, when it's like, ah, yes, you know, the nice, like, getting toward the credit scene of the Bloody Bones movie, and they're, you know, safe and reunited with the grandfather at the wedding, and he's like, but Rawhead, and then, like, Rawhead runs on screen, and then it's the credits. Yes, and then we get a sequel about Rawhead as the next part of the franchise. The, the Bloody Bones cinematic universe. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Part of the Appalachian cinematic universe, I feel like. Incredible. Well, do you guys want to risk a letdown and hear the origins of Toyota Tree? I, yes. It needs to happen. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. Excellent. So this came one week later uh, in April of 2017 from Carrie, who wrote, Hey, ladies, thanks for taking the time to hear my hometown's mythical nonsense, lol. I have this story for you, and I'd love for you to talk about it on an episode if you can. I love to hear what you think, especially while drinking. Well, Carrie, good We'll news. do you one better. We'll talk about it twice. <laughs> <laughs> so to jump in and give a little background, I grew up on the south side of San Antonio, Texas. My father owns land and currently lives off of a well-known street called Apple White Road. It's really on the outskirts of San Antonio, but everyone who's grown up here knows the history in San Antonio. Before Apple Wright Road expanded and the Toyota plant was placed there and brought lots of job <sighs> opportunities, it used to be just a one-lane road. Okay, no, we need to stop. Because Amanda, <laughs> how long is this email? Um, this email, this is the beginning of the first paragraph. There are five paragraphs in total. Yes. So you guys, I'm reading yeah. this goddamn yeah. story. I get yeah. three sentences in and uh-huh. y'all go on a 10 minute tangent about the Toyota tree. And I'm looking at the email being like, there's so much left here. <laughs> so here's the thing. What happened, if you don't recall this, this early hometowns episode is that Amanda, I believe, yeah. was no, so was all confused me. by the idea of a Toyota plant. A plant that grows Toyotas. She, she thought it was a tree that grew Toyotas. <laughs> I was more charmed by the image. Like, I, I, yes, I, I yeah, get yeah. The... I don't think, I'm not saying you you believe yeah. Toyotas grew on trees a few years ago. <laughs> just the, the play on words. But me and Amanda just could not contain this ridiculous image inside of our inside of our heads. And it's just staggering. lost it the entire, I don't know, I don't know the, anything more about this email. I only nope. remember the Toyota plant part. But God, if it doesn't live in my memory. <laughs> I, in fact, tried extremely hard to commission um, Toyota Christmas tree ornaments for both of you that year and was unable to find a, a good enough vendor or like someone who could who could like make a little tiny one that was branded Toyota in some way. Lots of car ornaments, but mm. not specifically Toyota ones. I did attempt it. And looking back, I completely uh, derailed the story. But, you know, <laughs> that's what we're here for. And sometimes all stars aren't the ones you expect. They're the ones you get. Yep. Let's let's try to appreciate the story for what it is now that we've gotten past the concept of planting Excellent. a tree that yeah. grows Toyotas. Yeah, I think uh, I think Carrie deserves it. This was titled, by the way, The Donkey Lady, and it continues. Uh, so this used to be a one lane road. Later, when it started to populate in the mid 1990s, the street expanded into a two lane street, but it was still surrounded by a lane of trees following to Anderson Loop Highway where there were no lampposts and at night completely pitch black. I remember as a kid, my father would avoid that street after dark. My mother, on the other hand, would purposely drive the street at night to get a fright out of us, which usually happened. This is, I love peak, like, parents trying to scare their children. I think that is a uh, a good segue from the Bloody Bones to this one. Uh, It is. Because I remember... Jake telling me many stories about how his dad used to drive he, his brother, and his neighbor to supposedly haunted streets just to really scare them. It's so charming. It is. It's a classic. These are also parents born in like the late 60s, early 70s, like too early for stranger danger. So I feel like the 
the the moral panic was not there and these kids were able to just get scared. <laughs> Everyone used to call this one lane bridge the Donkey Lady Bridge. It had been closed off now for several years. They built a bigger and better bridge on the other side. The story has different variations of what happened, but this is what I was always told. Somewhere between the 1930s and 50s, there was a girl who was born with donkey legs. This meaning she had the exact legs of a donkey with hooves, hair, and all. She used to wear long dresses to cover them to ensure that no one would find out. Her mother and father neglected her because they were ashamed. Whether she was abandoned or just neglected, I'm not sure. During school, she was bullied for her shyness, and the kids soon found out that she had donkey legs when they pushed her to the ground and saw her dress ride up. Man, kids suck. Kids do suck. These kids ran amok, telling all of their parents, and the gossip traveled through the community. The little girl eventually grew up and had her own family, which, hell yeah, don't don't let these fuckers get you down. Yeah. Live your life. Good. Find love. Tragically, because she was still not accepted, the community went over to her home years later and burned it to the ground with her and her two kids inside. They say that she never forgave the community for what they did and how they treated her all of those awful years. Good. So they say that she haunts the actual road and bridge of Applewhite. In other versions of the story, she was a woman who just had two kids, no donkey legs, and got injuries in a house fire, and her children died in that same fire. So she haunts the area looking for their souls. Very, uh, like, La Llorona-esque, I feel like. Yeah, a lot of, like, classic elements in here. Mm -hmm. It's set on this bridge, and in the town of Applewhite Road, you can hear her chasing after you and running after your car while driving. You can hear the hooves and donkey noises, hoofing like a horse does. It's very good. You can also hear it keeping up alongside your car while driving. She waits under the bridge and tries to scare off anyone who enters her territory. Some people have also seen red eyes and a figure of her themselves, a standard-looking woman on top with the legs of a donkey. People have also seen versions of her that are scarred from the house fire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I never understood why it was that particular road until about five years ago. Uh-oh. The city of San Antonio had built a travel park with trails in the back roads near Medina Lake. You could either mountain bike through the trails or they have walking and hiking ones too. Applewhite Road crosses over that river at one point and you can see it on the map or Google it if you want to. My sister and I had went hiking through there when it first opened and we noticed that about 15 to 20 minutes into walking one trail, there was this old abandoned house that looked pretty burnt. It was Mm-mm. more of a shell. Mm-mm. There were also several fireplaces just out by themselves, like as if a house had once sat around each of them. It was super creepy. That's cool. Cool, cool, cool. So I think maybe if it's a true story, that could be the place. I'm not sure, but this is what I do know about the story, or at least one version of it. Now I'm going to get sentimental about uh, urban legends again, because this is what our show is about. Hell yeah. But I really do feel like this story is very familiar. And I like the idea of like... Town tragedy happens, we turn it into a haunting or a supernatural creature or something like that to kind of explain it away. And then generational like evidence still exists of that thing. So the house that looks burned down or the uh, just like just fireplaces still standing is very cool. And like, of course, generationally, these kids don't remember like in the 60s when that house burned down and the, the tragedy that occurred there. But they know the story because that's what they've been told. Yeah. I also think there's something very spooky and i'm sure we i mean we might even be able to do like a roundup on it but like bridges Mm, yeah there's something about bridges that like really add like an interesting detail obviously that you've got like a passage from one world to the next kind of with a bridge but like a lot of stories involve a bridge in some way a physical bridge Mm. um and maybe a spiritual bridge (laughs) but yeah i always think that that like the addition of a bridge is is so evocative even though it's such a simple addition yeah 
Well, it's a yeah. it's a transferring from one place to another kind of thing. It's also like bridging a gap between like the living and the dead and the like being able to cross over running water, which is a huge thing in a lot of different mythology and cultures. Just bridges in general can be scary, but also uh, very like evocative and representative. Yeah. And stick with me. Bridges, I think, are also kind of like the pinnacle of human achievement and civilization in that it is a thing that is difficult to do that people have to, you know, come together that are a real material kind of like change that humans do on the environment before we did that destructively a lot. You know, that was kind of the version of like, hell yeah, like we can make our life easier for ourselves and, you know, make the environment work for us instead of the other way around by building infrastructure like that. And so I think there's something about, you know, that kind of like the peak of orderliness and infrastructure and being able to count on getting from one place to another. I think honestly, that is part of the appeal of Mothman, apart from his extreme obscene hotness is the fact that it is a a bridge collapse, which is kind of like, God, you know, I I can't believe that that is even possible. And so I think stuff taking place in and around bridges is like this even here, like this isn't safe either. Yeah, absolutely. Fully agree. Well, I've got a story from from a true classic. Mm -hmm. It is the King of Crawdads. (gasps) The The Crawdad Crawdad King! Yes! I mean, Crawdad King is, is a classic. My email after the 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 refill will also be a Crawdad King mm-hmm. tale. Oh, fantastic. And I mean, I think this has possibly the the single best three sentence opening to any <laughs> any urban legend email we've ever got. It's hard to beat. I'm ready, Eric. Here we go. It's me, your boy, a new boy, a fresh boy. Yeah. I'll stop. <laughs> That's actually a fourth sentence I I included, but you know, why not? I'm sorry. Why is that not merch? Why don't we have a shirt that says that? <laughs> I know. We got to we got to get in touch uh and see if this is possible. Just a shirt that says Spirits Podcast, a fresh boy and a picture of a crawdad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think we'd sell many, but I love it. It's It'd a deep cut. It so before I get into the main story, two things. One, y'all are amazing and make my day better, which is something you definitely haven't heard a million times. We've Aww. heard it a few more million times as well. But I, I liked hearing it every time. <laughs> yes, please. We need validation. Two, I have a quick list of things that have happened that I don't have the time to go into now. Some of these things might show up in the next email. Mm-hmm. My sailor dad's met a siren. I've been given gifts from Faye. I've taken up witchcraft and it's gotten me into some weird shit. I've cussed out a ghost backstage of my school musical on opening night. The cat. That's that's the whole one on that line and a ton of other things I won't bore you with. I, I would not be bored by those. I want to hear every story yeah. listed always there. Do. Anyway, on to the story. I live on Vancouver Island, British Columbia, and it has a bit of a reputation for less than normal activity. Lots of native spirits, of course, but many Japanese and European creatures seem to have come across when people migrated over and stole the bloody land. Thanks, guys. <laughs> So, sightings such as Sasquatch and Fey folk aren't uncommon. I, however, was still in my ghost phase. Not that I've ever left, but I've picked up the folklore by this point, so I didn't have much knowledge of Fey, non-human spirits, and the black dog. I think the Crawdad King is also like a teenager at this point, and I just am in awe. The Crawdad King is, I believe, uh, 16, maybe 15 at this point, depending on when the different emails were sent. Man, Gen Z. Gotta love him. Just crushing it. 
out there crushing it. My parents were having a house party and being the tiny introvert nerd I am, I didn't really want to be around all the people telling me how big I was getting and asking about my elementary school love life. So I, was, so I went out back to the back deck where a single low light was the only illumination. Running alongside the yard is a long shed, which I could access the roof of with a bit of clambering from the deck. Oh, I remember this one now. I just flashed back like two or three years ago. (laughs) I sat up on the top to look at the stars, thankful for the moment of peace, when I heard a noise. I thought it was just a raccoon or something, as that wouldn't be too far-fetched. That assumption was quickly dashed, like the dreams of a millennial art student. Ouch, ouch. Us <laughs> on blast. We've been blasted. Oh, mm-hmm. man, that hurts more now somehow. <laughs> yeah, because we're because we're older and our dreams are slowly fading away from oh, our grasp. No. That's okay, no, we're all professional podcasters. If anything, our dreams have come to fruition more <laughs> since this email was first written. Let me reiterate. This was a shingled shed with only one possible way for roof access. It would have been difficult for a human to get up there, let alone a dog. But there it was, a big black dog, staring at me from the other end of the roof. Now I'm with you. I remember. Is this the email that invented Heckpupper? I feel like this is the email that invented Heckpupper. The title of this email, we d- I didn't read the title of this email, is in fact Fiddler on the Roof, but it's a heck pupper and it's not a musical, which yes. is oh, a shame. Yes. Oh, the crawdad king. You've given oh, us so much. So many gifts. Long may you rule. I froze because, listen, even as an 11-year-old, I still had the common sense to know that this was some surefire nature fuckery. No one on our street had a dog like that, and even if they did, this guy was huge, and its eyes were bright golden, not reflecting the light, but emitting their own. Mm. A woodsman double lantern in the fog. And then it began to run towards me. It ran across a shingled, sharply angled, narrow roof towards this horrified little kid who was too afraid to jump out of the way and also fucking lazy even then. <laughs> I was pretty sure this is how I died. A big... Naughty pupper, Airbud had led me to my death. <laughs> it didn't reach me though. When it was just a few feet away, the dog vanished. It didn't fall off the roof either. I checked. <laughs> Plus, Smart. there wasn't any thump or sad doggo sounds. It just up and disappeared. Maybe this is why I wasn't allowed on the shed. <laughs> I did the reasonable thing and bolted. I tried to tell my mom, but she was distracted with her guests. Ain't that just the way? By the way, this whole time, the dog made no noise. I looked it up the next day. As I stated earlier, I hadn't known of shucks, grims, heck puppers beforehand, so I'm sure I didn't imagine this. Anyway, love your podcast. I've never really told this story in so much detail before. I tried my best to make it something you guys would enjoy. Have fun reading all the other emails in your inbox after this. Signed, Cecil, King of Crawdads. Cecil! Cecil! The one and true and forever Crawdad King. The Crawdad King. Still giving us gifts, even now. Well, Eric, I am really eager to hear the next Crawdad King installment. But first, you guys want to go grab a refill? Let's do it. 
We are sponsored this week by Stitch Fix. I was uh, streaming last week and somebody asked me where my shirt was from and I grinned and said, you know it's Stitch Fix. I asked in my last fix for a bunch of tunics that I could wear with leggings and boots because I, uh, I'm i just not about pants right now. And they came through with some super adorable pieces that are light because I mentioned how hot my office is. <laughs> so they, they look wintry and they're very cozy, but they are in fact nice and thin and light. So what I so appreciate about Stitch Fix is that I don't have do, like, how can you filter for that on online shopping? I can go to the few sites that I know my size in or that I know I sort of like, but being able to, like, look at the feel of the material, I have to, like, read the the ingredient list, I have to look at reviews, I have to hope that what I am asking for is the thing that I am getting. But Stitch Fix takes all of that guesswork out of it as they have a expert stylist that chooses hand-selected things just for you in your unique size, style, and budget. It is very different, it's very fun, and every piece when I get it, I get to open the box and feel surprised that someone who knows me really well and also knows my size and budget, which is usually not true for uh, gifts, has picked something really amazing for me. There's no subscription required. You can try Stitch Fix once or set up automatic deliveries if you want to get one every few months or every month even. You'll pay just a $20 styling fee for each box, which gets credited toward any pieces that you keep. There are no hidden fees ever, which I so appreciate. Stitch Fix has styles and clothing to fit any occasion. They ship all over the U.S. and they're also now available in the U.S. UK. So UK, go hit it up. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash spirits and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash spirits for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Stitchfix.com slash spirits. We are also sponsored this week by Function of Beauty. And I know that uh, lots of us have set goals for 2021 or committed to new actions, new giving, new whatever you are focusing on for the year. But have you thought about your hair goals? If you don't have them, then consider it because Function of Beauty is the world leader in customizable beauty products, offering precise formulations for your hair's specific needs. This is how they work. You go to a quick but thorough quiz that they have on their website to tell them a little bit about your hair type and hair goals, such as lengthen it or volumize it or oil control, for example. And because your hair changes with the season, I know my hair is very different in the wintertime when I get out of the shower than it is in the summer. You can also change your hair goals before you get a next shipment of Function of Beauty. You can choose the color that you want, the name you want printed on the bottle to customize it, and your fragrance as well as fragrance level, or go fragrance and dye free. It's not very easy to find those products out there. Plus, subscribers get access to more exclusive colors and scents. Then their team determines the perfect blend of ingredients for you, bottles it, and delivers it. There are over 54 trillion possible formulations. It's pretty staggering, so you're going to want to try this out. Don't buy off the shelf just to be disappointed ever again. Go instead to functionofbeauty.com spirits to take your quiz and save 20% on your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. Go to functionofbeauty.com spirits to let them know you heard about it from us and to get 20% off your order functionofbeauty.com slash spirits. And finally, if there is something keeping you up at night, if there is something on your mind, there's something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp is a great option for you to get help. You deserve to be happy. You deserve for somebody to listen to you and take your concerns seriously and help you navigate this extremely complicated thing that we are all in, which is life. And BetterHelp assesses your needs to match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. I have therapy every Sunday night, and 
when I was getting off the call with my therapist this week, we were talking about something I wanted to work on for the week. She was like, listen, you know, if there if anything goes wrong, if you, you know, feel worried, if you, you know, do something and it doesn't go as you expect, just, you know, message me in the app and we can talk about it. And either we can hop on a call or I can just get back to you and, you know, give you some guidance and, you know, give you just a little bit of peace of mind. And so that is my favorite thing about BetterHelp, that you can talk to your therapist anytime. It's also available for clients worldwide. And if you ever need to change therapists, they make it free and easy, which is not true everywhere else. They're more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Spirits listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com spirits. That's betterhelp.com spirits to get 10% off your first month of counseling. Do it, guys. You deserve it. And now let's get back to the show. Hello, we are back. And I got a local delivery from a brewery that I visited a few years ago, but is very hard to get to from my house. So I was really delighted when they started offering local delivery. This is from Bridge and Tunnel Brewery, which is a wonderful name for anyone familiar with uh, the parlance of New York City. Um, And they have a uh, coffee, C-A-W-F-E-E, coffee (laughs) cream ale that also has a label inspired by those iconic uh, like Grecian coffee cups. Yes. You see in Law and Order and stuff. So I, it's just like it hits, it hits. Like I am the target audience. It hits me right, and I also love a green ale. I love a coffee beer. So I've really been enjoying that. That sounds really, really good. I kind of want all of that. Hell yeah! I've been just going with a with a just an all star classic beer. Just mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Dogfish Head sixty minute IPA. Classic. A classic. It's truly, just, you know, it it does the job every time. It does. It really does. You need a reliable beer. You yeah. do. Uh, and I went with the uh, one of my favorite breweries here on Long Island, which is Greenport Harbor Brewing Company. And they have this really good one called You Pick Raspberry, as in like out by Greenport and like the North Shore of Long Island, there's a lot of like you pick farms. So like ah. you go and you pick the farm, uh, the berries and the fruit yourself, which I think is a lot of fun. Uh, but this one is like a pale like a pale ale that's also lightly hopped and it's got that light kind of spritzy flavor to it and then a lot of raspberry and then a little bit of like tart lime flavor. It's really nice. Incredible. Do we want to jump straight in to the Follow the up with Crawdad. Yeah. You follow know up it. King by Crawdad King. Yes, please. This email, shockingly, comes <laughs> to us from the Crawdad King. And the, it's titled Crawdad King and the Spooky Boys. Canada's hottest new boy band. Yes. <laughs> Your boy's back. Because I immediately form an attachment to anyone who gives me attention. So congrats. <laughs> You're all my parents now. Yay. I, also, I heartily accept my new role as Eric. I don't remember what that was. I think <laughs> you guys temporarily kicked me off the podcast. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Replace you with Replace Cecil. Replace me. Yeah. Sounds right. It didn't work, Cecil. Take that. I'm still here. (laughs) You just have a lasting legacy over our podcast that's truer than ever three years later. (laughs) So since the reading of my first email had me making noises that made my mom think the cats were crying for help, I have decided to send in another story. Not one of the previously teased ones, though. Oh, so I completely lied to everybody before the break. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You got to keep them through the ads, Eric. Keep them through the ads. Because none of them are quite as meaty enough for an email. Though I may send the siren one at some point. Please. If you're not sick of me by the end of this. We're not. This is what I like to call my spooky boy anthology 
four-ish different spooky encounters of mine that have all shared an uncomfortable similarity. Images and editor notes from my kittens will be provided for your convenience. Excellent. The kitten, not a good editor. Just a <laughs> bunch of random symbols at the end of this email ah, are course. the notes. It's just It's just a cat that walked over a keyboard. It sure is. <laughs> for the sake of dramatic escalations, I shall order them from fuck off spooky shadow to my entire conception of the physical nature of spooky events has been rocked forever, mm-hmm. but that's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I, I absolutely trust that you are fine from the, just the text of that email. Let's begin. Tall boy, age at time, 15. I, li- I like that this feels like it's like the intro to like a noir film. Yeah, mm-hmm. like title cards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we haven't uh, we haven't analyzed just what makes Crydad King emails so good. For me, I just I love something with a strong narrative voice. Like getting a sense of the person is always so fun and really transports you to either their experience or like with Bloody Bones. You know, I could hear the grandfather telling me that. Yeah. So I just I I think that um, that Cecil is such a strong writer, and I appreciate that. It's a, it's the tone. Absolutely. I agree. The first spooky boy I shall describe was what I would consider the most traditional spooky boy. You know that feeling when you get when you're alone in your room at night and feel like something there is off? Of course you do. It's like the beach kiss scene of creepy stories. <laughs> yes, of course. Anyway, I was sitting on my bed writing an essay on Shakespeare's dick jokes and getting a shitload of that feeling. What a good topic for an essay. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I tried my best to ignore it because fuck that, but eventually it was so strong I looked up from my writing, which says a lot. And there was this spindly motherfucker. (laughs) He was standing in my closet, which doesn't have any doors, and just watching me. He was tall, looked like he was made of scribbles. He had no features except for his two long white eyes. And he watched. I blinked and he was gone. Long white eyes. Long eyes? Eyes eyes that are long? Eyes that are long. Hate that. Yeah. That's bad. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know which way either. Probably. Like anime eyes? I think like long as in like, I don't know, like... I'm, I'm trying big, to big anime eyes. start start from top and then go down is how yeah. I'm picturing yeah. like little like little tubes. I'm picturing Ugh. goat pupil shaped eyes. The worst kind. Mm, mm, the only mm. bad thing about goats. No good. Bed boy. Age 15. <laughs> but like several months later before tall boy in the closet. That should have been your warning. I was over at my friend's house for the night, which is never a sentence that precedes anything good in these types of stories. That's true. It was probably around three in the morning and me being the idiot that I am, have forgotten my sleep meds, was wide awake. I was listening to podcasts to pass the time and had, could you even imagine like being at a sleepover and just being like, I can't sleep. I'll listen to a podcast. No, just very quiet. we didn't have iPods when we were this young. <laughs> Change everything. I was listening to podcasts to pass the time, and I had been relaxing to the voices of the McElroys when I felt a weight on me, Mm-mm. as if something was climbing across my leg. Mm-mm. My friend had a dog and a cat, so I just assumed it was one of them, though this hadn't really felt like an animal. It felt human? Mm. I looked over at my friend. She was fast asleep. The cat curled up next to her and the dog snoring away at her feet. No, no, no. So fuck that. (laughs) Then I saw it. It was the same sketchy, 
white-eyed creature I had described before, except this one was hunched over on all fours less than five feet from me. Hate that. I decided I pretty much preferred shitty Yahoo questions than an actual fucking demon, so I squeezed my eyes shut, turned up the volume on my headphones, and did not look again for at least an hour. Of course, it was gone. Crawdad King with an early version of Ignore It. (laughs) Team Ignorant very early on. Third story. Cat scaring boy? Age, 10. When I lived in the blue house where I saw the heck pupper, I had two things important to this story. A hallway between my room and my brother's with no door or any other way to cover it and a cat named Icarus. What a good, sorry, what a good cat name. Yeah. Excellent Mm -hmm. cat name. Mm -hmm. So Icarus liked to sleep in my bed with me because we're bros. Mm. It was around nine at night and pretty dark out. I was petting Icarus and he was purring because he's a fucking suck up. (laughs) I heard footsteps in the hallway. His purring stopped abruptly and his fur stood on end. Concerned for my furry bud, I gently picked him up and asked him what was wrong. He gripped his claws into my shirt and stared with pure horror at the hall. I looked over and in seconds my cat and I were wearing the exact same expression. See, we have a special bond. (laughs) There was one of the figures there. She was watching us like the others and had her hand pressed onto the wall. Now, I say she because while the other ones gave off a genderless or vaguely masculine aura, I could immediately feel that this was a woman. Hmm. You'd think ghosts would join me in the fuck gender category, Hmm. but I guess not. Anyway, that was horrifying. Also, the first one I ever saw. Uh Uh-oh. So we so we've gotten the prequel with that one. Then we yes. got some follow-ups, and now this is the last one. The most <laughs> that I'll write about. Uh-oh. Tiny boy, age sixteen. I f- I just scrolled to the bottom of this email and forgot that there are drawings of 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 the creatures. Oh, excellent! Hate it, hate it. They look they look kind of like like bad Spidermans, but uh. I just, it's, it's very spooky, very spooky. I work as a library page. I'm pretty used to creepy shit there, but it's mostly in the form of adult men thinking I'm there for them to hit on and or ask about dreams. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Unfortunately for them, I'm gay as fuck, but this creepy was more on the grudge junior TM level. <laughs> and also kind of cute. I was shelving books, as is my job, and one of the shelves was too full for me to put them in, so I began shifting the books down to make room. I pulled a few books off and dropped them on my foot when I saw what was behind them. It was a tiny, little, spooky boy. They were hardly as big as my finger and probably the most adorable hellspawn I'd ever seen. (laughs) Now, the reason why this is the weirdest one is that unlike the others, this little guy didn't disappear after a few moments. No, this thing decided it wanted a ride. (laughs) Gonna hang out. When a spooky boy wants something, you'd better do it. And that's the story of how I had a tiny demon on my shoulder, gripping my shirt with an extremely corporeal feeling way for at least 10 minutes until it disappeared. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. I hope you like these. Now a final parting word from my kitten. And then there's just a, a barrage of, of characters. <laughs> Cecil, the true king of crawdads with help from Pepita and Coco. Pepita. Aww, what a good name. Also, the, the drawings are very impressive, honestly. Yeah. 
they're spooky. We'll uh we'll include them with the we'll cl- include one with the the extras on Patreon. Yeah. All right, guys. I am ready to uh, follow up that wonderful doubleheader with uh, a, a choice. We have a forking path in the woods here. Ooh, do we want okay. my favorite creepy story, or do we want a story that I cannot get through without laughing every few sentences? Ooh, ooh, mm, mm. I, I That's want, so hard. I want the laughing one. I want the funny one. Okay. okay. I will save the other one. How about this for the bonus episode this month? Great. Perfect. Okay. So patrons look forward to that. All right, guys. This one is titled uh, Hometown Folklore, Millis, Massachusetts. We're fine so far. Yeah. Don't recall it. Uh, this comes to us from Joseph. Oh, I think I think I might know this one. What was the title of it again? It's called Hometown Folklore, Millis, Massachusetts. Oh, yep. I know which one it is. Go ahead. Julia. Remarkable. Okay. Millis was founded in the 17th century colonial period under the name Bogusto Farms and was later incorporated as East Medway and then later Millis. The main site you'll hear about if you look into Millis's here it comes. If you look into Millis's folklore is called parentheses don't laugh the dingle hole. Dingle hole. That's right, the dingle hole, baby. Oh shit, I'm I'm really having trouble. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Okay. Again, don't have any details in my mind whatsoever about any other part of this email. So let's uh let's try. Just just, just like oh listeners, open up your podcast app. Look at how long is left on this email. I know what <laughs> Julia's final email is, and it's not terribly long. So almost all of it is gonna be Amanda just laughing while reading this, apparently. <laughs> Very excited. Let's do it. The site is a steep depression that is filled with dark water. When it freezes over, local residents say it looks eerily bottomless. The stories I read as a child described frequent unusual happenings centered around this landmark. Bells could often be heard ringing, said to be rung by satanic imps, and possibly giving the hole its name, though there is also the suggestion that it is more directly demonic or satanic in origin. Dingle hole because there's bells? That's why? Because dingle maybe. dingle? Maybe. <laughs> the hole would also attract unusual wildlife, such as weasels and raccoons, which could not be caught or killed by any hunters and wouldn't show sign of any injury, even if shot point blank. These animals are said to be local witches who were visiting the devil and his servants in magical animal form in order to pledge themselves to him. Editorial. I love that the devil is hanging out at the dingle, at the hole. dingle hole. Mm-hmm. I know. I was just going to say, they want to pledge themselves to the devil in the dingle hole. Mm-hmm. Like like you in Buffy lore, you've got hell games hell or whatever yeah. they're called. Yeah. Hell mouths. And in real life, we have the dingle, <laughs> dingle hole. hole. <laughs> Again, guys, every time there is a word like bottom, enter, origin, I just, it's just, I I am restraining myself so much and I need praise for that. You're, you're doing fantastic. Go on. Thank you. One story tells of a hunter cramming a bow of witch hazel into the barrel of his gun and firing it into the face of raccoon, only to have a, quote, unpopular lady in town named Murky Mullen. <laughs> Murky Mullen? What a good name. Murky, Murky. Murky Mullen. Murky Mullen. Incredible. Even worse. I bet Murky Mullen uh, was a great person. Uh, so Murky Mullen would later show up with an unexplained injury in roughly the same area of her face. Very dark. How is that happening? Anyway, a similar story is told about an ox cart that refused to move by the dingle hole until the driver whipped at the wheels and then it moved again. Later, a local suspected witch was said to have been seen covered in welts from the whip, having been invisibly holding the cart in place. Mm, okay. Okay. Another story is that of a Mrs. Cabbage 
who was walking back from her knitting circle in the snow with her unfinished knitting pinned to her dress. These can't be real names. Mrs. Cabbage, come on. That does sound like a, a, a folk tale, but Murky Mullen sounds like a Massachusetts ass witch. She heard what sounded like a step in the snow behind her and turned around to see a black creature in the snow right at her heels. She raced home, the shape chasing her all the way to her door, where she slammed it in its face to escape. The next morning, she realized her knitting was no longer attached to her dress. She found it on her doorstep the next morning, suggesting that the little creature that chased her was probably just her knitted stocking being dragged behind her by its yarn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Checks out. I love this really one-two punch of like a genuinely creepy thing and then like, oh, well, sometimes it just scares you and then you're okay. Yeah. There are scattered historical reports of the dingle hole having been filled in, which I can attest is certainly not true as I pass it on the school bus every day for years. If you'd like to see it on Google Maps, I prefer provided you with a screenshot and the coordinates, which I have put on our Instagram today. It is a deep hole with tall trees in it that barely stick up above the ground. Ooh, okay, here we go. Looking at the dingle hole. One second. It's also just like where a house should be. It's shocking. Oh, yeah. Weird. What a weird hole. And Joseph yeah. writes that it probably was partially uh, filled in where you see the street going like intersecting the hole he thinks that it was kind of like basically double the size that it was and it was partially filled in to let that road go through but even uh -huh. if that's so like this is a house sized just deep depression in the ground yeah and it is genuinely pretty scary how strange it's also like a house behind it yeah yes. it looks like it's like a pond in someone's yard and it's yeah. weird but it is instead the dingle hole Dingle Hole. Joseph signs off. By far the most exciting part of these stories about the Dingle Hole is that I found the original publication about them, titled The History of Medway Mass, 1713 to 1885, was actually converted into an ebook and is free to read on Google. I use it to check the consistency of these stories, and they're identical to the ones I heard as a kid. Hell yeah. I love consistency in stories and folktales. We have a uh, free historical document. We have uh, some physical um, and image-based companions. We have the name of the Dingle Hole and two, I think, really interesting stories. Uh, so I am, I am proud of myself. I thought I wouldn't be able to get through it. Proud um, of you. And uh, you know, thank you, Joseph. June 2017. What a what salad days for our urban legends. What a classic. All right, gang. We're going to finish up this episode. I think with. Um, Probably our most retold story of the podcast. Is this the first time we did a live show? It was the first time we did a live show together. This was the first time we did a live show. We also did it a second time when we did our Portland live show. Yeah. And then we're doing it again because it's still one of my favorite stories of all time. But I think we also in Seattle, didn't we do two nights and we read it back to back both did nights? We? I'm pretty we sure. Might, I'm pretty we sure we read it back. Both nights because of how stupid this story was. It's it's wonderful. I love it so much. Okay. I love it so much. You you can just you just say the word crince and all three of us like grin and start giggling. It's it's a ridiculous word. It's the it's I think it's the <laughs> only word that we've read in any of these emails that just isn't anything. So it can yeah. only can only bring up thoughts of of these moments. Even Dinglehole, it's like okay, I get it. That sounds like a yeah. place in Massachusetts. All right. This comes from John, and it's titled, Crints the Self-Conscious Pizza Delivery Ghost with Pics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So, hey, ladies and Eric, brand new listener here. I love everything you guys do, and it makes my high traffic drives to and from work a little less stressful. I'm writing to tell you the story of a strange presence which resided in my college apartment in Harrisonburg, Virginia, while I attended James Madison University. My roommates, Will, Kyle, and Charlie, and I moved into the apartment in 2013. About two weeks into living there, we started noticing some interesting noises. Strange knocking noises would constantly come from the utility closet in the center of the apartment. It was always a series of two to five solid, loud knocks. We initially believed it to be pipes or some vents. However, we soon discovered that the area in which the knocking came from had nothing like that running through it. I also, like, for a second rereading this, I was like, it's probably just, like, banging on the pipes or something like Mm -hmm. that, like your hot water heater or something. Uh, But no, apparently not. It is not. As we continued to live there, we got used to the knocking and joked that this was a benevolent guardian ghost. We would often drunkenly call out, stop knocking, ghost! (laughs) And it would stop almost immediately. Eventually, we started seeing brief, sudden movement from inside the bedroom directly off the main room. Our roommate, Will, who lived in that room, did not appreciate us bringing up what we saw. He quickly was done with the joking about the ghost and was very uncomfortable with any mention of it. He and Charlie moved out of the apartment the next year for unrelated reasons. (laughs) Sure. Okay. In the summer of 2014, the remaining roommate, Kyle, and I were staying in town for summer classes. We spent a long night hanging out and talking about how the ghost was kind of a jerk for scaring Will so often. Around 4 a.m., one of us said, quote, I wonder what its name is as I started to doze off on the couch. And suddenly, without really thinking, I said the word, Crince. (laughs) (laughs) It's still so good. So good. Crince. Crince. I really don't remember doing it, but Kyle (laughs) swears I was the one who said it. That's because the spirit of Crince overtook your body and said its name. That's exactly what happened. That's that's clearly what happened. Mm -hmm. It's clearly Crince possessed you. From where else does the word Crince come? Come on, guys. Is it like Chris and Vince? The only way this makes sense is if you're watching... Tim Burton's Batman soundtrack mm-hmm. by Prince. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you just accidentally mispronounce Prince and say Prince. Yeah. Outside of that extremely specific situation, there's no reason to possibly in any way say the word Prince. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I picture it as a combination of the name Chris and Vince personally. Mm. Oh, interesting. Mm. I also thought Prince and I was like, you're trying to say Charlie and then realize Prince is a much better name and then it just comes out together. You know, valid. Now, what about this? What about this? Okay. Mm? Prince and Vincent. Prince and Vincent? (laughs) (laughs) That's nothing. That doesn't benefit us in any way. But that popped into my head just now and I thought I had to say it. I mean, I agree. I think Prince is a nickname for Vincent. I do think you bring up a startling possibility, which is that St. Vincent, the musician, probably had released a mixtape under the name Crince. That sounds like Mm. a very St. Vincent thing to do. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's possible. Anything's possible with Crince. Anything's possible with Crince. (laughs) (laughs) If you believe in the dingle hole, in bloody bones, and in Crince, anything is possible. They are our gods now. We have nothing else left. We pray to the saints that our bloody bones crints and the dingle hole. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> okay, okay. Uh, it was then that we decided that his name was Krintz. Over the years of living there, <laughs> Krintz's actions became more pronounced as guests would see a quote-unquote person or hear particularly violent knocking in the dark while crashing on our couch. New roommates came and went, all having at least one inexplicable encounter with Krintz. One night in 2015, we were showing a friend of ours the horror video game P.T. We were constantly teasing her by saying Krintz would come out of the TV to scare her, to which she said, I fucking hate ghosts. <laughs> mm. You don't want to say that during both the playing of P.T. and when Krintz is around. Yeah, yeah. This was answered by a huge crash from the bathroom, which we discovered was the wall mirror coming loose from its fixtures to shatter in the sink. After that, we stopped slandering his good name. Okay, guys, that is very hard to do. They really fix those things on right, because if it breaks, that happens, and it's bad. Yes. It is probably, I don't want to judge these the living space that these boys have found themselves in. It is probably a shitty college apartment, though. Yeah, so. I mean, it's not their fault that it's just going to be like a shitty college rental. But mm -hmm. that being said, I still find that like many, many weird things have happened to me in my many shitty apartments. And that has not been one of them. I am just a single person with one sample size, you know, but <laughs> it feels it feels crincy to me. Yeah. The later years we lived there were marked by a consistent Krince, uptick. the later years. <laughs> Prince the later years. Uh, they were marked by a consistent uptick in activity until one day our apartment complex did some renovations. See, uh -oh. they clearly needed those renovations. Yeah, right. During this, a series of holes were cut into the ceiling to fix some insulation and piping. The day they cut the holes, I walked over to one. A piece of paper just fell out of it onto my head. It was a coupon for Domino's Pizza yes, in 1995. Was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I showed my roommate and other friends who all thought it was bizarre and hilarious. Yep. After this, we noticed that Krintz was significantly less active. We always <laughs> joked that his quote-unquote unfinished business was to make sure that we saved some money the next time we ordered pizza. I will send a picture of the coupon in an email to you guys, which I will share in a moment. Yes. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I moved out and some other close friends took our place, all reporting some minor encounters with Krintz. As of last year, people from our friend group lineage have moved out and is now occupied by strangers. Our immediate friend group remembers Krintz fondly. And while I'm not sure if he remains active to this day, he definitely left an impact. Oh, Krince, you beautiful coupon clipping ghost. <laughs> Love Krince. Uh, so I'm just going to read you what the gift certificate says because it is a gift certificate. And it says this gift certificate is good for your choice of two free orders of twisty breadsticks or four free Coca-Cola's classic or diet. This offer is valid with the purchase of any Domino's pizza or super sub at a regular price. And it expires December 31st, 1995. So close. I mean, a gift certificate is even bigger unfinished business than a, a mere coupon. I mean, it says gift certificate, but this is a coupon. No, it it's is, a coupon. You get a free yeah. thing with <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a purchase of another thing. It is. It is. It is. That's true. <laughs> uh, oh, well, Prince. I mean, what what classic stories we, so we've, we've gone through. Uh, uh, just some of some of the best ones, truly, truly, some of the best. True classics. We we love them all so much, and we look forward to to maybe in another forty episodes having even more all stars, all stars too. 
We do. Our um our anniversary week is actually next week or sometime between now and next episode. Um so we do have a little something planned for that as well, but I think it is really fitting to celebrate our 5th anniversary of a podcast as a podcast to kick off our 6th year of podcasting together uh with this little look down memory lane. And truly this this show, you know, wouldn't be what it is without all of you conspirators writing in, being creepy, getting our jokes and telling us about these sweet sweet coupon clipping ghosts. So thank you. Yeah. And if you are one of the listeners who we read your story as one of our all stars, hit us up. You know, we want to hear updates about your spooky stories and, you know, how how everyone's doing or what's up with the dingle hole. We would love to know what the dingle hole is up to specifically. Yeah, What is up Mm -hmm. with it? All right, everybody. Thank you again. We love you. We'll see you next week. And remember, stay creepy. Stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors at stitchfix.com slash spirits. You'll get 25% off when you keep your whole box at betterhelp.com slash spirits. You'll get 10% off your first month of counseling and at functionofbeauty.com slash spirits. You'll save 20% off your first order. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafidi, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.